0: You're listening to New Life Chapel Podcast. Amen, amen, amen. You can grab your seat. Let's give the worship team a big hand. So good, guys. You guys are awesome. How good is it to be worshiping together? So good. I love, one of the things I love the most about uh, church is the ability to come together and praise God, worship Him. And... Um, I'm lucky enough that this morning I even have my daughter with me for the first time in church, so my own little chair squad. So if you aren't amening enough, she's going to be amening down in the back corner there, putting you all to shame. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So good. So uh, today we're going to be continuing our praise and worship series, and um, I've been really enjoying the series. Um, I just want to make a special note of Kate's preaching a couple of weeks ago. Killing it, killing it. Zoran, you know, he's, he's pretty consistent. He, you know, he's pretty good every week in, week out. But Kate, mate, she's on a whole nother level at the moment, which is awesome. And so today we're going to continue the series of praise and worship. And the title of my message today is, Who Do You Say That I Am? Who Do You Say That I Am? Because our praise and worship is, heavenly, is heavily influenced by what we think of God and who we think God is. The level of our praise and worship is heavily influenced by what we think about God. The way in which we praise and worship is also heavily influenced by what we think about God. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a church. And so I just thought that praise and worship were the two fast songs and the two slow songs at the beginning of a service. And that's what praise and worship was. And then we just got on with the rest of our life and did our thing, right? But when we get a revelation of what praise and worship is, it can be such an incredible uh, revelation that changes our life completely. So we're going to start in a passage in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, your Bible apps and your notebooks and your note apps, uh, make sure you grab them out. And uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. We're going to read that. Then we're going to pray. Then we're going to get straight into it. Does that sound good? All right. Tell me when you're ready. ready. All right. We're ready. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. It says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Lord, we come to you this morning to give you praise and to worship your name. We ask today that you speak to us through uh, through, and reveal yourself to us through your word. And Lord, let your your spirit do a work in us as we listen in Jesus name, amen, amen. So Georgia, my my daughter, she's 10 weeks old right now. And uh, she's a very alert uh, and intense baby. And like all uh, babies, she loves lots of attention, she loves feeding, and she likes mom and dad cleaning up explosive poops. That's pretty much her life right now. She doesn't do much else. I would say that she loves to sleep, but that would be a lie. She does not love to sleep. That is not one of the gifts that God has given us uh, with with Georgia. But I think she probably got that from me, to be honest. I'm not a great sleeper either, but... um, However, because, so, so she wants to be, she doesn't like to sleep. She wants to be a part of everything. She wants to be included in everything. But because she gets quite tired, she doesn't sleep as much as she should. She starts to get a little bit, should we call it emotional, right? She just gets a little bit emotional. And when she is emotional, she can't talk. So she can't tell us, you know, who she is, what's going on, what will fix it. And, you know, I, I notice there's a few of us, uh, you know, who have a few newborns in the room, it gets a bit frustrating. We're just like, come on, tell me what's wrong. Let me fix it for you. Uh, but that's not the reality. And it reminded me of a story of, uh, you know, when, when you have a newborn, all the stories of when you were a newborn come up, when you were with family, anyone know that? So uh, I was reminded of a story of in my own life, when I was a toddler. And when I was a kid, I was a very energetic child. Uh, a lot of people used to ask my, uh, my mother whether I had ADHD and she would respond by saying, no, he's just a very active child. Just a very active child. She um, made sure that label <laughs> wasn't placed on me. Good on her. But I knew what I wanted and I would go for it. And often that included running, climbing trees and doing dangerous stunts. Those were the three things that I would just be doing uh, every day. I had a brother, however, and he wasn't, he was only 14 months younger than me. And he was a bit different. He didn't talk as much. He was a lot more chill than I was. He kinda, you know, just hung about, read books. Well, not at that age, that was later on. But anyway, he, he just, he was a chiller. He, that was the kind of uh, kind of person that he was. And because of that, I thought that I would use that to my advantage. And so because he didn't talk much, I would talk on his behalf, so I would say things, Jared wants an ice cream, Jared wants to go for a walk, Jared wants to go to the park, Jared wants to climb a tree, Jared wants to jump on the trampoline, Jared wants to, Jared wants to, Jared wants to, but the reality is, Jared didn't really want to do any of those things, I wanted to do all of those things, but I decided that the way for me to get what I wanted was to put these declarations and labels on my brother. And that went well for a time. Unfortunately, there was a time where my parents decided to, I don't know what they were doing, but they went for a walk and my brother and I were left in the car and my brother decided that he wanted to teach me a lesson. So he got out of his seat and proceeded to bite me all over my body to let me know that I was no longer allowed to declare on his behalf what he wanted to do. He needed to tell that himself. So when the parents came back, tears all over my face, bites all over my body, and I tell you what, I learned my lesson, that stop declaring for Jared. But isn't it interesting that there's sometimes what we do with God. Sometimes we, we feel like we can't hear God, we can't see Him at work, we can't... We can't um, see him doing things in our lives. And so instead of, I guess, holding on to the things that, that God has revealed himself to be, we start to, to declare things for God that is based on who we want God to be rather than who God has revealed himself to be. And the difference between my brother and God is that my brother was less than two. And so he really only had a very short amount of time and he wasn't able to declare what he wanted right but the difference is God has been around forever but has been revealing himself to us for thousands and thousands of years and has been revealed through the scripture so the question I have for you today is who are you declaring God to be who are you declaring God to be This question is important because praise is a declaration of who God has revealed himself to be, not a declaration of who we would like him to be. I'll say that again. Praise is a declaration of who God has revealed himself to be, not a declaration of who we would like him to be. So God is not a God who fits in our little box and Uh, does what we want and is who we want him to be. He is a God that is beyond measure and unimaginably creative. He is incredibly just and fair, and he is completely pure and good. But how can we say that? We can say that because he's been revealing that of himself for thousands and thousands of years through his scripture. So not only is Praise a declaration of who God has revealed himself to be. But when we declare who God has revealed himself to be, we also find out who God created us to be. So let's read that passage again in Matthew 16. So now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Jesus asked the disciples two simple questions. Firstly, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And the answer is probably pretty similar to what we would get today. They're saying, well, some would see you as a teacher, some would see you as maybe a prophet, some would say maybe a religious leader, maybe maybe even a healer, but they wouldn't go necessarily much further than that. Right, they wouldn't go further to declare him as a Messiah, but they would say, you know what? He's a good teacher. He's a good prophet. He speaks on behalf of God. He, you know, and and there's many people in our world that that like the idea of Jesus, but don't necessarily believe him to be the crea- you know, the, to be God. Yeah. And so they go, okay, fine, that's what everyone else is saying. So he asks a second question. He follows up with a second question. So who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter pipes up. And isn't it interesting that as soon as Simon Peter tells Jesus who he believes Jesus to be, the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus responds by telling Simon who he is? He says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Isn't this incredible? As soon as as Peter or Simon declares who Jesus is, Jesus switches it up and then defines and declares who Peter is. You know, the thing about Peter that I find so interesting is that, you know, Peter obviously uh, means rock. But Peter was not a very, I wouldn't use rock as a good descriptive of Peter, right? He uh, He was a little bit impulsive. He was a bit unstable. He was a bit overly aggressive. He buckled to peer pressure. He was overzealous. All things that I wouldn't really use a rock as a way to describe who Peter was. But Jesus wasn't declaring who Peter was. He was declaring who Peter would become. Jesus was saying that, Peter, you may be all of these things that everyone else says about you. You may have done all of these things. You may have been through all these experiences, but that's not who you are. You are not Simon. You are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So when we declare who Jesus is, Jesus turns around and comes back to declare who we are in Christ. And a part of our purpose, we find in Him when we declare who He is. So you may be here. And you may be lacking purpose, you may be lost, you may be, have lost your passion, you may be struggling right now, you may, may have what we call a God-shaped hole inside of you. But if you would declare that Jesus is the Son of God this morning, you will find purpose once again. So we have a choice today. Who are we declaring God to be in our life? Are you declaring that He is someone that you would like Him to be? Or are you declaring who he has revealed himself to be? There's a a really interesting parable or or story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Let's Let's read it together. It says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, Therefore, a nobleman, The first came before him, saying, "Lord, your mina has made ten minas more." And he said to him, "Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities." And the second came, saying, "Lord, your mina has made five minas." And he said to him, "And you are you are to be over five cities." Then another came, saying, "Lord." Here is your money, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might collect it with interest?" And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minas. So this story that, that Jesus is telling is, he's kind of using it as a bit of an analogy to his own, uh, his own story that is about to, to take place. It's, he's describing about how there will come a time where Jesus will die on a cross and he will rise again, but then he will leave earth to, uh, to um, uh, take ownership of the kingdom. And, it did, and, it, um, and many of the noblemen's subjects did not want to recognize the nobleman as a king in the same way that today there are many people who do not want to recognize Jesus as their king. But even so, he gathers 10 servants and followers and distributes to them 10 minas and encourage them to engage in business until he comes back. In other words, get busy and be faithful and use these resources that I give you to expand what I've given you. And upon his return, some came and showed their faithfulness to him by bringing him the fruit of their work. And they were rewarded handsomely with authority over cities because of the results that they had received as a result of putting those resources to work. So what was the difference between the ones that were fruitful and the one that came back with nothing? The difference was not in who the nobleman was, the difference was in who the servants believed the nobleman was. When, when uh, the nobleman is saying, uh, you knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow, that wasn't a confession. That was repeating what he believed about him. It wasn't a confession saying, this is who I am. This is what you believe about me. The servant had a wrong confession, had a wrong declaration of who the nobleman was. And as a result, he did the wrong thing because he didn't have the right declaration. And as a result, he missed out on the great blessings that the nobleman was able to give out and bestow on people because of his actions. Praises a declaration of who God has revealed Himself to be, who He actually is, not a declaration of who we would like Him to be. You know, those of us here that are Christians, that that have been maybe a Christian for a long time, you know, sometimes we can start to get a bit jaded. You know, we can get a bit disappointed, we can get a bit discouraged, we can get a bit frustrated, and sometimes our declaration of who God is can change as a result of the circumstances and the situations that we go through. God has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our declaration can change, and when we change our declaration, we change the way that God is able to respond to us because of who we believe God to be. So there may be some people here today who are discouraged and disappointed. I want to encourage you this morning to change your declaration, to come back to who God has revealed Himself to be, not who we think He is or, or who we would like Him to be as a result of our circumstances. So before we can build upon our relationship with God, we must first come back into alignment with who he has revealed himself to be. And then when we have a right declaration of praise for our God, our response is to worship. While praise is about declaring who God has revealed himself to be, worship is about dedicating to who God has revealed himself to be. When we praise and declare who God is, we find identity and we find purpose. But when we worship and we dedicate ourselves to who God is, we find relationship and intimacy. Romans chapter 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the apostle Paul saw worship as something so much more than what we just do on a, on a Sunday morning with a couple of slow songs. We saw it as a whole uh, dedication of our entire bodies, our, our inner being, our, our external choices, our decisions, our actions. The whole lot is, a spirit, is our spiritual worship to God. When we wholeheartedly dedicate our bodies, our internal being, and our external actions and choices to God, we draw closer in relationship and intimacy with God. We become transformed by the renewing of our mind so that through the tests and trials, because we will go through tests and trials, we'll be able to remain connected to Him and, and know His will and what is good, acceptable and perfect. However, the level of our worship, the level of our dedication to God depends on what we declare about God. I want you to think about it this way. Um, I want you to think about your, your favorite sports team for a moment. And if you're watching online, maybe you can put in the comments what your favorite sports team is. Has anyone got a favorite sports team in here? Yeah. Come on, I live in Victoria. You guys all have a favorite sports team. It's literally the first question I got when I moved to, to Victoria. What's your, sports, what's your team? So for Pastor Zoran, it's the Geelong Cats, right? He loves the Geelong Cats. Any other good teams out there? Saints, Bombers, Hawks, Panthers. Oh, some rugby league, come on. So I, I grew up in, in New Zealand, all right? So in New Zealand, there is only one team. There's literally one team and that, that team is the All Blacks, right? There's, there's, there is no other option. There is no other team. The team is the All Blacks. And if you don't support the All Blacks, they put you on a plane and send you to Australia, all right? So. <laughs> there is one team. And, and rugby in, in, in New Zealand, look, it is a bit like a religion, right? Everyone wakes up at three in the morning to watch the, the, the All Blacks play England or Ireland or, or whatever. You know, it's just, it is who we are. We get up and watch the All Blacks play in the coldest stadiums in the world. They're freezing cold. But we get up because of who we believe the All Blacks to be. We believe that the All Blacks are the best team in the world. They are the best team in the world. And there's a reason why we dedicate our time. We'll do silly things like get up at three in the morning to watch a match for an hour and a half and then go back to bed, right? Like there's a reason that we spend money to go to these matches in the freezing cold to watch our team play. There's a reason that we spend money on the latest uh, rugby jerseys with the names and numbers and all that kind of stuff, right? And in the same way, Pastor Zoran, there's a reason why he goes for the Geelong Cats. He believes that they're the best team in the world. Pastor Todd believes that the Melbourne Demons are the best team in the world, right? But there's a reason. But the thing is, what we declare over our team is going to depend on how much we Support our team. So in the same way, what we declare about God, will determine how much we serve and support our God. So there are some of us today that you know what you've you've kind of been falling away. You've been going through some struggles. You've been going through some challenges. You've you've. Uh, You know, there's just been a lot of stuff going on. Maybe through this pandemic, you've been feeling discouraged and disappointed and frustrated. And believe me, I've had those moments. But you know, the the solution to that is not to just sit and just sit in self-pity. It's to change the declaration of who God is in our lives. When we change our declaration of who God is in our lives, something changes inside. We find our purpose, we find our identity, we find our relationship with God, we find intimacy with God and all of a sudden we start to understand what we need to do. Coming back to Romans 12, we start to be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if you're not able to discern the will of God today, I wanna encourage you to change your declaration of who God is. So, praise is a declaration of who God is. Worship is a dedication to who God is. So, who are you declaring God to be this morning? I want to take a moment right now to invite those that may be here and you don't know God. You haven't declared that God is, you know, Christ, the Son of the living God. You've never made that declaration before and you're not even sure about it. But you know that there is something missing, your identity, you're not sure about who you are, you're not sure about your purpose in life, you you have what we call a God-shaped hole inside of you. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to meet the God that loves you and created you and wants to be back in relationship with you. And I'm going to ask you to make a declaration of who God is, and in doing so, you will find your purpose and your identity in a loving Father. Thank you for listening. For more information about New Life Chapel, please go to newlifechapel.org.